0: Real quickly, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you guys know I started a Patreon account for the podcast, Um, so if you enjoy the show and would like to support, you can go to patreon.com slash thephotobanter. I got a couple different tiers on there. Um, You can get the episodes a few days early if you're interested, Um, but yeah, any support is greatly appreciated. This kind of helps fund the podcast and keep offering more content and more episodes, um, so if you're interested in supporting, you can go to patreon.com slash the photo banter, and it's much appreciated. Hey, before I get into today's episode, I wanted to tell you guys about PicDrop, an image transfer tool. Um, I've been talking about it with you guys for years now. Um, PicDrop is an image transfer tool I've been using personally for years. Um, it was actually designed by a working photographer, so they understand what photographers need. And they're continually offering new tools to better help organize and deliver images to your clients. Um, They got a brand new design that they just released this year uh, of the site. Uh, Really easy to use, user-friendly. I've never had an issue sending photos to clients. They've always just been able to understand how to download them. They can leave me notes, uh, rate the photos so I know which photos they want me to retouch just really user-friendly a great product it's independently owned by photographers so you're just supporting an independent business and they really care about photographers that's their who who, who they're catering towards um so today's episode if you enter the promo code banter you'll get two months free of pickdrop.com so definitely go check it out let me know what you guys think like i said i've been using it myself for years love it um so go to pickdrop.com Enter the promo code BANTER and you'll get two months free. Thanks so much. Without further ado, we'll get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's episode, I welcome on Kelly Montez. Kelly is the owner of Apostrophe Reps. They're an agency that represents commercial photographers, directors, and stylists. In this interview, I speak to Kelly about her journey to becoming a commercial photography rep, how she approaches marketing so many different photographers, as well as the advice she gives to photographers who want to work in the commercial field. Uh, this is a really informative interview for me. Um, Kelly brings a different perspective than um, a photographer's perspective, which is like most of the guests I have on. Uh, so it's really excited to have Kelly on. I hope you guys enjoy this one, and thanks so much. All right, I now welcome on Kelly Montez of Apostrophe Reps. Uh, Kelly, thanks for taking the time to do this.
1: Of course, thanks for having me.
0: I met you, I think, three or four weeks ago at the SPD, SPD review, which is online. Um, anybody who's never done the SPD review, check it out. Um, do you do a lot of those things, the portfolio reviews and things like that?
1: I love doing portfolio reviews when I can. I make time to do SPD because I always have really incredible photographers that are into the mix. Um, but I just think it's important to be seeing talent outside your roster to inform you on, on trends within the industry. So we try to make time. The ones that are online are, we particularly like typically two team members will share a block. So that way more of us can participate. And it also makes it just a little bit easier on our schedule when we're doing two hours out of our day, it makes it to where we can really clear off that time worry-free as opposed to like a four-hour block where you're like oh my gosh what's what is dying in my inbox for me right now
0: yeah I was looking at your website before coming up here and you guys remember say it, it's a lot of people I was like I don't know how you guys have the bandwidth it's like I think 26 photographers and then you represent like uh stylists or
1: we represent stylists but I have a huge team I have over 20 people that work here um, it's not indicative of what you see in the <laughs> office right now, uh, considering the work from home days. Um, but there's a our styling division has four people within it that that manages all of those arts, artists, and then we have another 16 from various functions, uh, whether they're designers that help us with treatments to agents to our amazing finance people that are the money honeys that chase down chase down the payments wow
0: that yeah i was doing that earlier today it's <laughs> it's it's tough <laughs> it's a full-time job it, it is this is a great conversation so that's part of the job as a freelance photographer if you don't have a rep or even we do have a rep it's like generally people pay on time but sometimes they don't and then you're chasing down and it's like you can't be rude but it's a weird position like How do you guys handle that when you're because you obviously have to do it sometimes and people maybe they don't put the deposit down where you're doing a shoot. Like, how do you not be forceful, but like get what you need to get done, but then also maintain that relationship at the same time? You know,
1: Alex, I love this question. So Apostrophe runs a mentorship program and this is something that we talk about in the mentorship program. My advice, if you are a photographer that's managing your managing your own business is to actually create a second email address. So perhaps that is invoicing at Kellymontez.com. Um, and it's also helpful to have one that may even be like collections.
0: Oh, so this doesn't they don't know if it's you.
1: They don't know that it's you. So when you send your invoices out, you CC yourself. Yeah. But it says invoicing at apostrophe reps.
0: This is great. This is the best piece of advice ever. That is One, so smart.
1: 100%. And then when we have to get really nasty with clients when they're not playing, then they get the collections at apostrophe reps.com. It's all the same people. Shh, don't tell anybody. Yeah. But that email address, when you really have to drop the hammer... Having somebody see collections really like it scares, scares them, and we usually get paid within five days.
0: Do you find in your experience this is great because you have a different uh, perspective because you get to work with so many different clients and photographers, and you're touching so many different jobs? Like, it, just me, I'm working with however many clients I work in a year, but you're seeing so much. Look, well, I, um, yeah, we're
1: it, to major it, metro it, it, apologies it, it, for the, the ambulances,
0: <laughs> it's all good, but like in a given year how often are you having to pull that hammer of like the collection thing? Is it pretty rare? Is it like month to month that's happening?
1: That's such a good question. I have such an amazing finance department that I'm not as close to it anymore. But last week we did have something where we had it produced it internally and we had the location didn't give us our deposit back. So we had to chase them down for the location's deposit. It's much less now that we have a really good accounting system and we have people that can follow up at 30 to 45 days and check in with clients because that's a tough thing. You get busy, right? And then you get slow and then you turn around and realize like, oh man, that invoice is overdue.
0: QuickBooks QuickBooks was the best investment I could. It it keeps it so organized. I I yell at my friends who don't use one of these things because when I first started, I was just like, had a folder on my desktop and was like thought I was organized but that you just click it and then you get the emails like oh it's due, do whatever it's just st- streamlines it
1: and now we've started to be able to accept payments through QuickBooks and that makes collections a lot easier as well because people can pay through that um, for for smaller clients but it's it is definitely getting paid is half the battle I think it's a problem on our side of the industry that we have to we have cost plus bids and you have to find the time as a small business owner to organize all of your receipts and then put through all of that backup and sometimes that takes a couple of weeks to do so you've delayed that payment already by that much Um, we often ask clients as much as possible for farm beds just so that we can be faster in terms of paying our vendors I mean, we get advances on jobs and we're religious about paying crew out and vendors out as quickly as possible when the job wraps but it can be tough sometimes we're financing quite a bit because of that
0: yeah definitely and we'll get into more of the nitty-gritty of the photo business um but i'm curious to hear more about your story like where did you grow up like what were you interested in growing up like did you always see yourself working in a creative field or what was what was kind of your start i guess
1: oh my gosh that's so interesting um i grew up in a place called modesto california that is at the very top of the central valley and i loved ballet as a kid Um, and then later on as i got older that moved to modern dance and i had a thought that i would go to school for dance that's how i ended up in college at uc irvine But the moment I got there and I saw how incredible everybody else was, I realized that I was good for my small town and that I wasn't meant to be a dancer for the rest of my life. Um, But I never saw myself as an artist or as a creative person until I became a photo rep. Prior to that, when I was in college at UC Irvine, I got a job at an ad agency and I was... Working actually as an account manager by the time I had graduated from college, and I really enjoyed supporting creative people and being a part of that process. And then after I graduated, I got a job, also as an account person at Goodby Silverstein and Partners.
0: Oh wow! Like they so, did, they did my favorite uh, MBA uh, campaign. Like oh. it was, they did some amazing ads for the NBA. Goodby was incredible.
1: It it was an incredible time. It was the first dot com boom. And that was where I met the original owner of Apostrophe. I did a very big project when I was 21 years old. It was for Discover Card, Discover Credit Card. And it was all about how the card wasn't accepted very many places. Mm-hmm. And everyone thought that the topic was very boring. So they put me as well as an art director a junior art director that had just gotten promoted out of the mail room on this project.
0: So you were like a producer at this point or?
1: I was just an account manager and Goodby had print production. They didn't have art buying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And something I always appreciated is that they had a very flat structure. So you could really create whatever opportunities you wanted. And the print producer that I worked with really... Saw that I was curious about the process of photo production and let me be probably way more involved than I should have been. And it got to be a point where I was in New York like every six weeks for a week at 21, 22 years old in New York on an expense account during the (laughs) dot-com days. It was a ton of fun. And the photographer that shot the campaign, his rep and I became close. And eventually he tapped my shoulder to open up a San Francisco-based office of Apostrophe.
0: What was that photographer?
1: Um, So the photographer was Kenji Toma.
0: Okay.
1: um, And he was amazing. He taught me so much about photography as well. And his rep said, hey, I've got this young up-and-comer in San Francisco. His name is Dwight Eshelman. Um, I think he could really go places. And I need a rep in San Francisco. What do you think? Would Would this be something you were interested in? And as much as I loved Goodbye, I hated account
0: management. Because what what does an account manager do?
1: An account manager liaisons between the creative department and the client. So you're always stuck in the middle. No one is ever happy with you. You are the devil. They're
0: like, why are you taking so long? It's like, because I'm waiting for that person, and then I'm waiting for you. And then
1: it's <laughs> 100%. Why can't you get me a bigger budget for my campaign? Why haven't your creatives delivered the concepts? Why are you over budget? It was just a constant struggle. I enjoyed the strategy that the role offered when we were developing new campaigns, but being that project management in between, um, I just didn't like it. And so then when I became a photo rep and I got to know Dwight, who is one of the most talented, kindest human beings you will ever meet, I knew I found my dream job.
0: And you still rep him now?
1: And I still rep him now. He's He still teaches me things. He's an incredible, incredible human and an incredible talent.
0: So basically you left Goodby and then was just his rep basically?
1: Him and another gentleman by the name of Terry Heffernan. And then we had a number of artists on the East Coast that would come and work in San Francisco Um, so Mitchell Feinberg, who is still on our roster today, I represented him as well.
0: So at that point it was your business. It wasn't like a posture. It was just.
1: So there was an original owner whose name was Jonathan and he had the company in New York. And Jonathan was a wonderful person and gave me a lot of really great opportunities, but he was not a wonderful boss. Yeah. And so eventually when my paychecks kept not showing up, I offered to take over the finances and then I would pay him to use the name apostrophe. Okay. About five years into the business, Jonathan decided that he wanted to do something else and I had an opportunity to move to New York because of some personal things going on in my life. Yeah. So at that point I bought him out. And so I think I was like... Twenty six or twenty seven at that time.
0: Wow that that's impressive. Like and also taking the leap from having like a corporate job, it's like you got the salary with good beat. And then at that, you didn't really from talking to you like you didn't really have a huge knowledge of photography or the business at that point. Really, you're just kind of this gut feeling like yeah, I'm gonna go for it. Like,
1: I didn't, but looking back on it, dance informed so much of my eye. I mean. My father was a first-generation Mexican-American. My mom was second-generation Czechoslovakian. Like, they had such a hard work ethic, but they never grew up with art in their lives, and they gave me so much. I had the most incredibly supportive parents, but we didn't have that language. We didn't have that conversation in our home, so it took me a really long time to realize how artistic I am, and how much dance had informed my eye and how much of a, a perspective that I had mm-hmm. um, on art and, and what it is that I brought with my years of background with the dance training. Um, so I think also my boyfriend at the time had gotten into business school in NYU mm-hmm. and I was kind of like annoyed with him that he hadn't asked me to marry him. So I think part of it was like being young and having an ego and also knowing that I had this incredible family. Cause I remember at the time saying to everyone, all of my friends like, well, if this doesn't work and I have to go live with my parents, honestly, that's not a bad thing. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. So knowing that I had nothing to lose, that I could, I had this, this family support system that, you know, they weren't supporting me financially to buy it, but they were supporting me emotionally. Yeah. And that meant everything.
0: Yeah. And what what do you think that like initial spark when you started working with photographers for the first time, like what did you enjoy most about it, you think?
1: I loved that I helped to grow their lives. So I mean, Dwight and I I think we have four or five years between us and we were really peers and he valued my opinion. And he was teaching me so much about photography and lighting. And we were really growing together. And just that creative energy of working with someone to develop their books. And then him and his wife decided to buy a house. And then they decided to have a baby. And his wife is a powerhouse of a woman. I have so much mad respect for her. Um, So it wasn't all Dwight, but their lives were growing because of the business that I was helping Dwight build. And that meant so much to me that not only could I open up a magazine and see his ads or drive down the street and see his billboards or another photographer that I repped out of New York's billboard and that I was a part of the cultural zeitgeist, but that he appreciated what I did and that I was helping their lives grow that meant everything to me and it's still the absolute best part of my job um I know you know Jeff Valley yep um it, him and his wife just bought a home in southern california and I love that like I <laughs> I feel like I've contributed to that down payment
0: <laughs> Oh definitely like it's like, a, it's, like a, it's a team effort for sure yeah um and like what do you think, like, what are the skills you need to have to be a good, do you call yourself a rep agent? Like, what's the correct term, I guess?
1: An artist representative.
0: Okay, opera, all right. Yeah, I like that. That's that's professional. Artist representative. <laughs> like, it, it, maybe someone's listening. Maybe this is a career path. They'd like to go down. Like, in your experience, what do you think, or what do you need to be to have be a good rep, I guess?
1: That is a wonderful question. Um, I think you have to have some great organizational skills and i think you have to have a desire or curiosity about people i don't consider myself to be an amazing salesperson we have someone in our organization our vp of business development who is an amazing salesperson Um, but I also think part of what makes her an amazing salesperson is because she is so curious about people. So you do have to have an ability to sell. And I think that comes from just innately caring about people, caring about the people that you meet and what it is that they need in order to be successful at their jobs, whether that is a art producer or a creative director or a photographer that you represent understanding what it is that fuels their creativity or what is needed for a project is exceptionally important um and i think that you have to have a certain level of taste and a certain ability to see what trends are developing in the world um so that you can help to coach artists
0: okay that's interesting so like trends do you think photographers should follow trends or they should just do what inspires them and make good work? Cause I feel like cause as a photographer myself, I understand that. Cause when you get into commercial photography, it's like, I feel like if you try to jump on a trend, you're probably too late to, on it to get it anyways. Yeah. Like what's, what's your perspective on like, would you rather your photographer make the work that they're proud of? Hopefully find, like find a place where it can live. But cause like, I don't know, like, I saw a couple years ago, I was like, people were doing like colored gels. That was like a thing for me, at least yeah. at editorial world, probably not mm-hmm. as much uh, advertising, but certain things like that, film starting to come back, even in like some, I don't know, Nike, <laughs> my friend retouches at Nike and they're doing more film shoots. They were yeah. required. Right, so there's like interesting trends like that. But like, how do you, what's that conversation like with your artist?
1: First and foremost, you have to be authentic to yourself and you have to understand your brand and your look and feel and what you want to put out there. It has to be honest to you. I've met photographers who are emulating other people, but it's not their genuine voice. And I think that that becomes very obvious very quickly. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you should chase trends, but the best people in our business are setting trends or evolving trends i mean I, we're all influenced by the different things that we encounter over the course of a day and so we're all incorporating those trends in our own in our own way but as much as you if you're inspired by a trend what is your take on it how are you going to evolve it what is that new perspective going to look like while being true to what you love to shoot because work begets work and whatever you put out into the world is what you will get more back of as from a work perspective so if you aren't loving what you're shooting that's going to be a problem for you later on down the line
0: yeah you're just gonna get bored of it i realize like that like i talk about this all the time it's like I live in Boston, so there's a ton of shoe companies like New Balance, Converse, all these people. So there's always like a ton of photographers shooting running, like photos and whatnot. And early on in my career, I was like, oh yeah, that's what I should do. I should just like shoot running because, you know, I can get jobs. I can work at New Balance like everyone else. And then I realized like, I don't give a shit about running. I was was like, what am I doing? Like, these aren't even fun. And then I started doing like, I love baseball. So I I love doing that type of stuff. And I figured out a way to incorporate like sports portraiture and these things. And it, it and people react to it more cuz it's like you you can you can tell when someone's excited about what they're doing there's like a passion there.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I, yeah. And then in terms of like what are some of the trends you're seeing in the advertising world right now? Cuz it feels when I look at it it seems like there's more like real people, kind of more like lo-fi stuff, not as much like in the last few years, which is kind of cool. Like what are you seeing are some of the trends in the ad world these days?
1: That is a great question. I think coming out of the pandemic, brands moved towards things being more real and imperfect, mm-hmm. and the way in which they were grouping talent together was about who was in your community, since that's who we could be with within within our pods. Um, and slowly that began to evolve, as the world opened up to people coming together and and celebrating more, um, I've actually been seeing a lot of decks with flash on camera. Yeah, uh, which I think has a little bit of that like party vibe. <laughs> my, my,
0: I have a couple of friends they're crushing uh, the drink space like they yes. what they did in the last year. like that's what my friends who all shoot beverage right now are crushing. Like, and it's all that type of stuff. They need to shoot, like, flash on camera, like you said, some hip bar, whatever. And yeah. Like, a ton of that. There's
1: a little bit of a rawness, a realness to it, a little bit of a celebratory aspect to that. I mean, and the beverage space, how many drinks are there Yeah,
0: it's like every day. yeah, because, like, every celebrity is re- releasing some new drink and then, like, uh, seltzer water is, like, a whole other thing and it's just, like, growing and growing. It's pretty wild.
1: It is pretty wild.
0: Yeah, and then, the other thing that's interesting looking at your roster of photographers is you represent a lot of different types of photographers. Like, obviously, Jeff Valley is more of, like, a portrait lifestyle kind of guy, and then you represent the Voorhees, who are, like, really cool product stuff. And I didn't realize you represent Dan Salinger. Love that guy's work. Yeah. Um, how do you approach, like, what type of photographers you're bringing on? Because I know some, there's some agencies that only rep, like, lifestyle people. Or there's some agencies that only do uh product or whatever like but it seems like your guys roster is very um different like a wide rate of styles and approaches i guess
1: yeah i well originally when apostrophe opens it opened its doors it was september of 2001 not the best timing yes. <laughs> <laughs> um we focused solely on still life photographers and we were the place to go for Luxury still life photography, which made a lot of sense. But after I bought the business, one of the things that I realized is that if there isn't a reason for people to come to your site every day for inspiration, you were missing people just coming to your site for inspiration. If they remembered that you had really good tabletop shooters, really good still life shooters, then you would get in the mix on those jobs. But by not having portraiture, by not having car photographers, by not having lifestyle, we were missing out on a huge section of work. And I started repping a couple of different lifestyle photographers, and I had so much fun. And it brought me back to my goodby days where I worked on all different types of campaign. And you learn so much you're so inspired by you're so informed by when you work with different people and and you do different genres of work. And so I've always found that to be really interesting. Once I bought the company and we got it through the great recession, we started broadening our scope much more. And that was just a lot of times just by being inspired by the f- artists that I was I was meeting at that time and and everything that i learn from them by by looking at their work and then and subsequently working with them on productions so that's really how it's evolved and that's really one of the basis for becoming a photographer on my roster uh, you know of course the work always comes first but then it's just a conversation how collaborative are you going to be with us as a business partner what are we going to learn from each other? Because it's not just, what am I going to teach you? What are you going to teach me? How are we going to relate to each other back and forth?
0: Yeah, that was a question I had is like, when you're going to partner with someone, what do, you, what do you want them to bring to the table? And what can they expect for, from you to bring to the table?
1: That's a great question because it's really evolved. When I first became a rep, I would get a phone call. I would messenger over a book and I would know, that I was going to get into the bid. And a lot of times it was a single bid. So I'd get the bid specs, we'd bid the project, we'd get it done. Nowadays, it takes a village, hence why I have so many people that work for me. Um, And I really need the artist to be my business partner and to be promoting themselves and to be giving us new work so that we have something to promote to them um for them out out into the world and it really is that that business partnership you know when we're working on treatments together that they're writing and designing or working with my in-house writers and designers um to push it over over the finish line
0: and are your Uh, a photographer is required to use your guys' treatment people or if they want to do it themselves or, like, how does that work?
1: I I never require anybody to use anyone for anything because it's important that it matches whatever their workflow is. So we have in-house production, but I still never require people to use our in-house producers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm lucky because our in-house producers are amazing. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but but a lot of times they're booked. So, we, you know, we need, and it's important, I think, to work with outside production as well mm-hmm. um, and to, to work with different people because, again, going back to why I started to broaden the scope of the type of people that I represented um in terms of genre it just it informs you so much you yeah. learn so much from others
0: Obviously, yeah and it keeps saying and also i feel like from a photographer's perspective perspective i feel like i wouldn't want to go in an agency that has all the same type of people because then if it's, if my am i can if i'm like in the exact same similar like genre then like what is i'm just hoping to pick up scraps i'll look out or whatever so it's like, I don't know, It's th- that's how, I, I know some photographers think about it like that, because I've seen some rosters, agencies where it's like, it's very similar, it, Yeah, which kind of makes it a little more tougher, I guess.
1: It does, I mean, I think that you need to have some like with like, Yeah. I mean, the way in which I promote each photographer is different, because when you start to really look at their work, and them as individuals in terms of the energy they're going to bring to a project is very different and that comes out in the creative call it's when you have a true outlier if you're the only still life person on a roster of lifestyle your agency isn't going to be thought of for still life and that gets to be complicated
0: Yep. And then, what are you looking for when you're gonna bring someone new on? Is it really just a bottom line? Like, are these guys making money? Do I like their work? Or because I know some agents will um, or artist representatives, well, uh, they wanna. They're not opposed to taking on new talent, and like if they see talent there and they kind of help them grow from the bottom. Like, how do you approach that?
1: I love working with up and coming talent, Um, and. I think that's actually something that Apostrophe is really good at, is creating hitmakers in that way and helping to grow people in their careers. I need to see that the person is kind and collaborative. That is really important. And I need to see that they have a unique point of view. If someone is unrepresented, a lot of the times the way in which we find them is that they start to hire our stylists. Mm-hmm. And our stylists will tell us, this person is fantastic. And one of the other main questions I then ask them is, how do they treat their crew? Because how you treat the crew, how you treat your stylists, how you treat the people that support you making the photographs is really, to me, an indicator of how you're probably going
0: to treat me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, and so that, that's a prerequisite. I'm also looking for a unique perspective. Um, yes, this day and age, like it's, it's not easy to take somebody on and know you're not going to make money. I mean, there's a lot of people within this organization that said, we still have a lot of people at varying Stages in their career, mm-hmm. um, and I've always been a big believer that you don't make decisions based on money. The money will come if you make the right decision.
0: Yeah, because the end of the day, if you find someone you work you like and they're a good person, it this isn't a short time. You want to be working with them for years, hopefully decades, yeah. like some of the people you have been. So it's like it's a long term thing. It's not a quick like yeah, yeah.
1: People come and they and they stay. There's several, there's a couple of artists that have been with me for about 20 years. There are several that have been with me for over a decade. You know, I consider this partnership to um, be long-lasting.
0: And having gotten to work with so many different photographers for so many years, is there anything you think sets the ones apart that are, have found more success? Is it their personality? They're just good? They're... Is there any characteristics that you've been able to like pinpoint that like separates someone from the others? Grit, grit,
1: grit, grit, hustle. Um, you have to have a interior drive to push yourself to make new work, to put it out there, and to constantly push forward in this business it's a really hard industry and to stay relevant and to stay top of mind when there are so many different players in the industry to push out personal projects to promote yourself on instagram to reach out to that creative director that you worked with it is it's hard it's a lot
0: And it never stops.
1: And it never stops.
0: And that's that's what I realized from doing this podcast and even the people who were like these guys I looked up to forever and they've obviously achieved a lot. But once that job's done, it's on to the next one. And it's like, people don't care what you did like two months ago or a year ago. It's like, what are you doing now? And it's just a constant, like this building off it, you know.
1: Everyone in my organization has heard this story. I'll try to make it as fast as I can, but. My husband and I had this um, restaurant that we used to love to go to in Brooklyn. It was a little pasta bar and we loved to sit at the bar um, because we could watch them make the food. And along the back wall, they had this very interesting, um, for lack of a better word, trough of boiling water. So whenever an order would come up, they would throw the pasta in a bag and they drop it in the water. They never had to wait for the water to boil. And I use this a lot with my my sales folks, but also with my photographer. We cannot wait for the water to boil. If you wait until you're slow and then you turn on the heat on your business, you've got to wait for the water to re-boil. And in this industry, you've always got to keep at least a slow simmer going.
0: Yeah, just keep, keep making personal work or reach out to people. I always just look at it like daily progress. You know, yeah. you're not going to shoot a brand new project every day. That's, that's not how it works. But, you know, you can email five or ten people every day if you're not doing anything. And, like, plan those seeds. Like, for instance, this is a good thing. I've been emailing ESPN for, like, nine years straight. Yeah. Nine years straight. This kept at it. Finally got the shoot from this month. It was, like, a good shoot that I finally did. That's and, amazing. Like, because I, yeah, because, but it was just, like, I took it as, like, I'm not going to quit. Like, I wasn't, like, annoying, but it was just, like. And over time, like people see your progress and if you're, if you're, because a lot of people, they'll reach out once, twice, and then they give up. Mm -hmm. And it's not once or twice. It's like consistent. It's like long-term and you have to just keep at it. And that's why I just kind of remind myself, you know, it's like, it's like going to the gym, honestly. (laughs)
1: It, It truly is. And we talk about it with our mentees that it's... Part of our mentorship program is asking our mentees to put together a promotional strategy for themselves. And usually they send it to me and it's like the most amazing thing that they're going to email five people a day and that they're going to go on like six coffees and all this wonderful stuff. And I'm like, that's amazing, but that is so unrealistic. Yeah. Not that you shouldn't try for that, but let's also make it something that's manageable with your life. And that's okay too, as long as you're doing something. Maybe it's one reach out a day, or my big thing is that I try to have at least two to three meetings a week within the industry, um, you know, at the bare minimum.
0: How's that changed it? Because that's the thing that i struggle with since COVID. I used to hustle hard. Like I'd go to meet with every agency. Like I, I used to, when I was just getting started, I would email people. Luckily I live in Boston, so it's not too far from New York. And I would just email people and I'd be like, Hey, I'm going to be in New York next week. I really wasn't only if they responded and were like, we'll take a meeting. (laughs) So I would do that. And I got like good, like first time I worked with like an agency, I got to work with Digitas. And that was really just from cold emailing, taking the effort to go down there. But now since COVID, like a lot more people are working remote. Uh, some companies still aren't letting guests come in. And I don't know if that's ever going to change. And, uh, how have you had to change the way you guys market? Because it's so much harder, at least for me, Anna, on your side, to actually get in front of a person, you know?
1: That is such a struggle. And it, anyone who says it isn't, I don't believe them. Yeah. I won't say that they're a liar. I'll just say that I don't believe them. We did a portfolio review today with an LA based agency. I am here yep. in LA. Mm-hmm. And it, the six people that were on the phone call that showed up to our portfolio review or on our Zoom call were all in L.A. too, but yet we still had a Zoom call.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is completely different than being in the room and feeling the energy and seeing your books out on the table and seeing which photographer's work is hitting and how an edit is is resonating with somebody, what, what images people are drawn to. I've lost a lot of that reconnaissance because even when we do meet with people, we're not going in to do shows. People don't even really know how to interact with a photo book anymore. Like we'll bring them to the book and I'm I'm having this sort of realization as we're sitting here talking, this might be a controversial statement and I'll say that I haven't fully flushed the thought out in my head but it's almost as though the books don't hold a person's attention. People are used to things in such small segments that it's very difficult for them to get through an artist book that before I would see people sit and devour and ask questions about. So promotion has really, really changed. The way that I have shifted to look at it since the time of the pandemic is how can I be the best possible person I can be and be the best possible resource to my clients? How can I connect with people and just be genuinely nice to where they want to come and look at apostrophe? They want to come and hear what I have to say. What can I give to them? And honestly, as a photographer, that's really hard. Like we've been successful at setting up some photography meetings but when people are only going into the office one or two days a week yeah and they have let's say a total of 15 hours that they're actually in an office to get them to meet with you is so
0: hard yeah basically i've only taken started to take some meetings but they were like with people that i've already had relationships with or work with before back in new york but like the cold that's why i've been doing more of those review things which is like it's an investment or whatever but At least you get to like talk to a person because it's like, that's my, I feel like that's my strength.
1: (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. And I mean, that's also part of why I make time to do the reviews too, because it is so, it's so nice to look at work and have a conversation with someone.
0: Yeah, it's tough. And also I was interested to get your perspective. Do you think it's still, in this day and age, is it still worth the investment for these platforms like Workbook and Adage and Foundfolios? Like, I I feel like most of my traction is, like, social media. Like, I don't know. Like, What's your perspective on these, like, um, older kind of platforms that have been around for a while?
1: The source books? Um, you know... Back in the day, I had a relationship with AdEdge because they used to help us pr- do a printed promo. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I really enjoyed, this was several years before the pandemic, was their one-to-one meetings that they set up. Yep. Everything, even back then, was about meeting people in person. Yeah. So I think that... I don't know if Workbook does um, reviews. I think that they hold exceptionally interesting talks in the industry. Their virtual series during the time of the pandemic was really important as we were all trying to find a a path forward. And I feel like they're a leader in that way. I don't know. I can't really speak to their demographics and who might be using them. We don't we don't do it at apostrophe. We do do the Le book shows, mm-hmm. but again, that's because we're trying to meet face with people. Time. It's yes. Facetime, so I think these things like SPD reviews, APA has amazing reviews, Photo Expo has amazing reviews. Like,
0: be be everywhere if you can. Like, yeah. but this that's where I look at. Like, yeah, be everywhere if you can afford it. Yeah, but then you have to pick the ones you think are gonna be more you'll be able to connect more. That's how I view it.
1: Yeah, and then your social media should be a reflection of who you are as a person because people want to understand. They want to get a a glimpse into your personality and, and what they're going to get on set.
0: That's the, I have clients. One of my best clients is agency I work with. Obviously, they care if I do good work, but it's the relationship with the art director. He loves baseball. I love baseball, and we connected on that, and honestly, I think that's why I keep getting hired half <laughs> the time. It's like a personal connection, you know? Uh,
1: I'm pretty sure they work at something
0: different yeah yeah too, I, I, But, I, but... I also too but that's sh- <laughs> that stuff helps being able to connect with someone and how do you balance when you're working with so many different artists they all have different personalities some people got to be introverts some people are extroverts. How do you manage all the different personalities it, it, it's every relationship's kind of different like do you feel like you have to help some photographers with certain things and other ones with others so like how do you balance all the different personalities and that you represent I guess?
1: That's such a great question. I've never, yes, they do all have different personalities. I love to coach um, and I love helping people grow in their careers. And so I think it's just a matter of getting on a, a creative prep call before we talk to a client to just have a little bit of a, of a brainstorm and understanding who they are. Um, if they're a duo who's going to take the lead in talking, what do I know about the job that I can pass along to them and and making them feel confident. I try to never tell them what to say, though. Um, I do try to ask more questions, like give them what, what it is that I know, what it is that I think that needs to be hit upon, mm-hmm. and then help them figure out through asking them questions what they think about that so that they have the language ready to go yeah um zoom calls have been really helpful you don't have the oh my gosh remember the days of the awkward phone calls where people were talking over one another and yeah yeah
0: yeah i was the. i, I was i'm the type of person on those calls i'm just like i talk when asked <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're, not, you're not trying to be annoying uh it, it's tough and also What's your, is usage, is that this going away? It seems like every client just wants to own everything. Are you, you, is it kind of, you got to keep educating, like this is why we charge usage. Like how has that changed since you got in the business? Like what's your take on it now? And like, how do you kind of handle that conversation?
1: I very much believe in usage. Um, I think that if you were to talk to someone at the AICP, they would say, when we gave away usage, there was one format. It was sixteen by nine, and it was commercials for packaged goods and diapers and detergents. Yep. They're not the short films <laughs> that we see nowadays. And when you think about all media, and then sometimes you see in contracts known and unknown
0: would be on another planet <laughs>
1: yeah, That is a lot of media um and i really appreciate i don't know if you're familiar with the artist management association it's a trade organization um that i am so proud to have founded alongside some other fellow reps during the time of the pandemic just to educate and create some best business practices in our industry and there's a really wonderful usage glossary because i think a lot of times people don't stop to think about Mm -hmm what what it is that they're asking for from a client side or what it is that they're selling from a photography side. And so once you understand what it is that people are asking for, I think you can price it appropriately. To me, I try to be very strategic about usage. So say, for instance, I'm working on a project for a tech company. And they ask me for unlimited media. And there's a phone. It's a shot of a phone. That phone has a lifespan. Exactly. So I try to bid it accordingly, and I try to meet people where they are. There's, you know, a hair brand for a major corporation versus a smaller startup that has yet to be bought by said major yeah. corporation. <laughs> I try to meet them where their budget is. I try to weigh the artistic benefits if, if the creative really speaks to a creative um, and bring all of those things into into pricing. It's not just a one size fits all, which I think is what makes usage such a complicated dance.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's not a black or white thing, and it's like you have to be real- realistic. It's like because the one thing about the longer you shoot, uh, y- y- you have to look at at least you have to look at your archive of work as like that that's gonna make you money. Like because it happens to me all the time. Like yeah. this week I shot some portrait like a couple years ago. The person wanted to reach out, license it, and it's just like easy money. But yeah, then it's like realizing like are these photos? Can I give it away? Because it's like are these gonna be? Uh, am I going to realistically be able to sell these in the future? And if you don't think so, then it's like, then you kind of decide, I feel like, if you're just going to give them everything or whatnot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it really is on a case-by-case basis. For some of my still-life photographers, there's a, a photograph that Mitchell Feinberg shot that's of a lemon on white, and it is Irving Penn-esque, and it is absolutely gorgeous. And that photo has such a long life to it versus a lifestyle images where clothing trends and lighting trends are getting haircuts. All of that is, is going to, is going to change over, over time. But I do think it's really important for people to push for usage Mm -hmm. and to try to protect their copyrights um, because you've put a lot of work into it, and I think it's fair that you be able to earn money off your
0: archive 100%. And also, realizing that just because some client sent you a contract doesn't mean you need to sign what they send you. It took me a while to understand that, that it's like, oh no, I actually have leverage, and it's like, uh, they're, they're coming to me for a reason why they want to work with me, and it's like I constantly do that. I did it earlier this year, or some like editorial, like shot like this cover for this basketball magazine, and they sent me this like crazy contract, and I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And then they I scratched off what I didn't want. We went back and forth um, because half the time they're already halfway like doing the production so they don't want to start over anyway. So they they want to work with you in in my experience a lot of the time.
1: Preach, friend. <laughs> I so we whenever we get just even at the beginning of a project, somebody will send over a unilateral NDA and then we'll say, well, do you have a mutual NDA? Bam, It comes in within a couple of minutes always encourage well if you're on my roster i always say don't do not sign anything send it send it to me um but again artist management association and the apa um breaks down different terms on contracts i'm just a firm believer that you should always ask for what you want it and if you ask in a kind way you're not going to offend anybody
0: it's it. We're doing business. It's an it, it's it, it, I think this is the problem. It's like when you first start, you're just so hungry to like get in the door, get an mm-hmm. opportunity. You don't want to be difficult. And it's like, no, you're working with companies. You're doing business. You're bringing something to the table. They need your skill set or whatever. And it's like you're working together. It's not just it's not a one way conversation.
1: One hundred percent. One of our mentees um, was shooting for a brand that was using influencers um, to wear and showcase their product. One of these influencers was an emerging uh, singer, songwriter, artist. And he gave the brand Work For Hire. And the brand then gave the images to that artist as a gift. And they came up out of the subway in times square to see those images all over billboards for spotify for their album release yeah. brutal Brutal. and he gave work work for hire he technically he wasn't even supposed to be able to promote that those were his images up on a billboard and i totally get it it was a it was a paycheck and I don't know this to be true because it was a couple years ago, but if there is an alternative, you can give them unlimited time and unlimited use and perpetuity, and you can hold on your contract so that they can't then go and sell it to a third party. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You just add that clause in there. Mm-hmm. and uh, Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you can, you can make adjustments and make it work for everyone involved.
1: And sometimes you can't. Yeah. And it's just the way it is, and you want to do the project, and you've- Feel like the money is worth it and that's okay too but at least try
0: yeah it's uh i agree Yeah, you have to weigh every option and you know a couple more questions i'll let you go i was excited to talk to you about uh, your guys mentorship program which i know you've talked a little bit about um how did that kind of come about and like what's kind of been your goal with the project and if you could just talk a little bit about it
1: sure um so the amplify mentorship program amp for short came about in the time of The social justice movement i'm exceptionally proud of how diverse apostrophe is internally um but our roster does not reflect our internal diversity it's getting better Um, but definitely in 2020 we had to have a good look at ourselves and we came together as a team because quite frankly we were all hurting by the images that we were seeing and what was happening and at that time we thought like well what can we do what do we know what do we have that we can give back out into the world Mm -hmm. um and that's when we came up with the idea of the mentorship program and what it is is the program actually runs for about six to eight months and the first portion of it is 12 weeks of coursework that teach you the business of photography so are you as a brand as a photographer how do you then take your own brand messaging and apply that to the work that you show on your website the work that you show on your socials how do you message that in promotional communications how do you promote how do you build an estimate how do you build a treatment how do you build a pdf portfolio how do you read and negotiate a contract Um, All of these brass tacks elements that make for successful business owners is what we dive into. Then we have a couple other components of the mentorship program where we have clients come and talk about how they like to be promoted to. We also give the mentees a stipend to produce personal work. Wow. And we then take that personal work and we promote it um, through the an online magazine publication. And then this year, I'm really excited. Um, maybe you'll be back out in LA when we have it, but we're having an art show uh, around the theme of this year's magazine that both our mentees and our main roster are contributing towards. So having uh, an art show to, to celebrate the mentees and and their work and as it, well.
0: when's that going to be? That
1: is going to be December, Thursday, December 7th. We're still picking the venue, Um, so keep an eye on our socials because that's open to the industry. Um, And then we do SPD-style reviews for the mentees, so we set them up with somewhere between three to six meetings with people who buy in the industry, giving them an opportunity to pitch their work. And for some of the mentees, it's the first time – that they've ever had the opportunity to share their work with a client. And you know, the more opportunities you get to pitch yourself, the better you get, the more likely you are to win a job.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. It's such a skill being able to talk about your own work and things like that. It's huge. And how does it, so do you have to be in the LA area if you want to apply to be in that program or like, how does that work?
1: No, we've had people apply internationally, um, but Typically, just from a time zone perspective, as long as you're in the United States, then you you qualify and you're over you're over 18. You do have to be over 18. There's just some regulations when you're working yep. with people who are under 18 mm-hmm. that, um, unfortunately, we can't take on at this time. Yep. Um, and the program we had 200 applicants this year. We were only we actually chose nine people, and unfortunately, the time commitment. Is pretty extensive, yeah. Um, so a couple of people had to drop out, unfortunately. Um, But yeah, we have seven mentees, and we really we pair them with someone on the roster to be their mentor, and then they get two people at apostrophe to mentor them to be a resource from now into forever. Once you exit the program, we're always here to to help and
0: and to support. I like that. I, I appreciate that because like so much. I started with this too, because being like a photographer, it's so much about, here's me, look at my shit, look at my shit, hire me, look at me, look at me, but it's like, I don't want us to be like, take, 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 take. It's like, be a part of the community, so I really appreciate that, and that's not like, obviously we're here running run a business, trying to make money, but like, anytime you can, like, help people out, like, I think that's like so important, and I, I really appreciate that. And then like, when does the application uh, process start? Is it like one time of the year, or like?
1: Yeah, so it typically opens up in late February, March, and then it does, because there's so many applications, it takes us like six to eight weeks to just go through everyone. We're really diligent. It's really, as you can imagine, it is
0: really... That's got to be a tough decision, because there's probably some all amazing people, and it's like you got to cut it down to like 10 people or whatever.
1: It really, it, it does, and, and this year there were so many amazing, so much amazing work. And then it came down to the application because the big thing is is we have had people drop out and the spots are so precious. Yeah. We really look at the at the questions that people ask and how much time and effort they've put into that process yep. to give us an indication that they're going to be able to show up. It's once a week for two hours for 12 weeks. Then we ask you to produce personal work. And then we ask you to do... Portfolio reviews. That's awesome. And then you have homework in between each class. So we want you to make a treatment for that personal project. So you get practice making a treatment. And our designers will get on the phone with you or get on a Zoom and teach you how to use InDesign or teach you how to use Canva. Yeah. But but you do have to do it in order for me to give you the money to go produce your personal yeah. work.
0: No, I respect that because it could have been so easy. You guys could have been like, hey, we're doing one Zoom call and that's it. But you created like a real program that is going to create like a foundation to hopefully they can have a real career of photography. Because that's like the hardest thing I was talking to my friend about this is you don't know what's available to you or what's possible out there unless you have like can learn from someone. Like I learned from assisting, but not everyone has that opportunity Uh, to be able to do that so like having this avenue to actually learn the business like it's really that's like the hardest thing
1: (laughs) you know it's interesting Alex because so many people don't ask me questions I'm truly like (laughs) you're a friend of mine if you need advice on a use on a usage I say this many times to a lot of the photographers that I meet hit me up I don't mind I will if I have time I will get back to you as quickly as I can, mm-hmm. I want to help you, especially when it comes to to bidding and to usage rights because it's so foggy and because I am a believer of copyright, like I'm happy to help you out. But I had somebody that hit me up to see if we were hiring a couple of months ago and their resume was lacking Yep. and I sent them feedback on their resume and we did three rounds. Yeah. No, not because I was going to hire this person, I had no intention, but I was like, if someone doesn't tell yeah. this individual that yeah. their resume is lacking, yeah. how are they ever going to get a job? Hey. And I appreciate that she had the hustle to even reach out to ask. Yeah when we didn't have anything up on our careers page so i was like all right you got some hustle i'm she, gonna try to help you out
0: yeah she's serious and yeah that's that's respect. just be a good person you know it goes yeah. it goes along a long way person
1: just be a good person <laughs> uh
0: and i guess to wrap up like uh what's next for apostrophe what are you excited about what's uh it's crazy you're just like wrapping up here <laughs> we got another month or two and then it's a new year but like what's next for apostrophe
1: there, um, that's, that's my godson yeah. that just stopped by the office. Um, if you heard that squeak yeah. in the background, friends, um, I am so excited for our art show and to be having a celebration that brings the industry together when for so long we haven't been able to, yeah. to meet with one another. Um, I'm really I'm gonna go with excited. Of course, I have a little bit of fear, um, and I'm trying to get past that. The world is changing so quickly with AI and all of the tools that are out there, but it's also something that's really incredible, and I'm curious to see how it changes our our landscape. Um,
0: so, okay, this could be a whole other another. This,
1: this could, and <laughs> I'm I I have as much time for you as as you want. So
0: real quick, but yeah. like you're not because this this is interesting so like so many photographers are all scared like this is it we're done this is it or it's all over like uh, what's your perspective because i think i think for sure there's elements of certain types of photography it's gonna get like decimated but i think at least for me because i'm like i do storytelling it's like real people i think real people like this we're doing now like it's a real human connection That's never going to go away. People crave that. People go to the concerts for a reason. They go to the movie theater for a reason. It's like a real thing. Uh, But what's your perspective? Is photography, is is it end days or what?
1: I will be in trouble if that is true. (laughs) Um, I don't. I don't believe that it's the end days. I think that that AI can be a tool. And you have to remember, I mean, look, I I don't have a crystal ball. And who knows? The robots may become smarter and sentient and all of those other things. Um, but you're limited by what the machines can currently learn, yep. right? So to me, if you're generating AI imagery, it goes back to chasing trends, right? And that a true artist helps to set trends. A true artist helps to evolve trends. So right now, if you're just trying to be within all of the trends and be a bit basic, then fine. If you live in the world of stock photography, I think that you have reasons to be concerned. Um, but even for for retouchers, I know that they have some fears. But again, it's a tool that that can help you. So by figuring out how you can use this tool to help your business, it's going to you're going to be ahead of the curve if I liken it in some ways to people that were like film's not dead I'm not moving to digital and I had some artists where it was really hard for them to make that transition and it it held it held their business back and now of course we see film coming back around I I, I think there's going to be space for both things to to live and to coexist coexist and to help each other and i'm just trying to figure out where is that intersection for for my artists and some will be able to adapt and others will not and we'll see what happens
0: i think it's just people don't like change they don't like yes. uncertainty i understand if don't like change they like uncertainty they just want to, but that's what it is but like yes yeah, keep i try to keep open mind and i don't know I'm gonna keep going.
1: Are you afraid?
0: Nah, cause I'm. I'm gonna shoot photos regardless. Like it is like. I was talking to my friend. I was like, "Whatever. Maybe I end up having to do something else down the line. If, it, if the photography business goes away and I gotta do something else, that's just whatever. That's the, that's the journey. Like that's life. You know. Like you, you move on, you adapt, and who knows? Maybe there's something cooler down the line. But uh for the time being, I love what I'm doing. I'm shooting work and. Uh, I'm gonna keep doing that and keep learning. Shit, I use AI now with this podcast, Adobe AI Audio Enhancer. I upload it in there, and it just takes out all the background noise and shit. Like it's it's crazy. So I'm just I'm using AI now.
1: It's really we've been using it to create some reels. Adobe has a tool, and it takes out all of the ums. Yeah, it it helps you edit so quickly, and these these are things that would take weeks. I worry more about the entry-level position. ChatGPT is like the best intern I've ever had. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very mindful about what I put into it because I work with a lot of NDA projects. But absolutely. Now, does ChatGPT give me back exactly what I want? No, I have to go in and finesse it, but I can talk into it, it can spit something out to me, and it can get me started. And that has made me work so much faster which is surprising because I truly didn't think that I could work any faster (laughs) you know I don't know how much more efficient I really need to get but at the same time I don't want to be afraid of that because I'm not laboring over a letter to my roster the way that I was before and I am getting to go play that board game with my five-year-old before he goes to bed you know and that that is magical to me and that is worth it
0: yeah well Kelly I could talk to you all day it was was a real pleasure talking to you thanks for taking the time and uh, yeah thanks so much
1: oh my gosh absolutely thank you
0: so there you have it that was the Kelly Montez interview just want to thank Kelly so much for taking the time to come on the podcast it was a real pleasure talking to her about her journey within commercial photography working as a commercial photographer's rep Um, I know I learned a lot from hearing her perspective Um, she definitely has a different perspective than um, photographers that I talk to Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed it Definitely go check out apostrophereps.com. You can see all the photographers, directors, and stylists that she represents. A really amazing work on there. Um, I'll put the link in the description. Um, and I'm as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we have a Patreon account now. If you enjoy the show and would like to support, it'd be much appreciated. All you got to do is go to patreon.com slash thephotobanter. As well as um, with today's episode, you'll get two free months of PickDrop, the image transfer tool. All you got to do is go to PickDrop.com, enter the promo code BANTER, and you'll get two months free. So definitely go check that out. Let me know what you guys think. And as always, thanks so much for listening and take care.